You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. In the legendary words of Rick Rarick of YouTube fame, it's time to kick some tires and light some fires, Buffalo Bills fans, because we are going to get all up in it tonight. Little shout out to Rick. I saw your comment there. I thought no other way to start the show than that. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We are two days away from the final preseason game. We're in the home stretch. And then Tuesday next week, final cutdowns. We're finally going to be able to sink our teeth into that 53-man roster just a little over a week before the Bills open the season against the Los Angeles Rams. He is Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. Like I mentioned, this is Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, barbecues, tailgating, on a road trip to see your favorite team. Wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops uh, for the best deals in town, from fresh meat to locally grown produce. We have everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. And yes, Rick, we can see Mr. Talbot. The lighting situation has been fixed. It's beautiful to see you again. What's up, buddy? Hey, doing great. Yeah, the the, the Bills Mafia guilted me into getting some uh, ring lights here on vacation. So uh, like a little mini desktop ring light, just something that I found at Walmart and another clip one that I got at a five below. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go double little desktop lights. Um, pretty soon, I think you're going to get requests saying turn them back off, though. But, you know, Bill's Mafia made me feel like a real handsome man with all those requests to see my face. So here it is live and in color. All right. Let's get into uh, the thick of this. Let's lay out the show. First of all, Ryan, I want to talk about, um, you know, several things. We're going to get into the Cody Ford trade, uh, what it means for the team. Now the offensive line's depth, uh, why it happened. And then also what it means when we get down to 53 man cut down uh, here in a little less than a week. Uh, we're going to get into some trade candidates. Obviously Ford was the first domino to fall. Are there other potential trades out there for Brandon Bean? We're going to get into that as well. And then we're going to start right here, and we're going to talk about our top three position battles that remain. And last week, we're going to do it a little bit interesting, Ryan. We're going to go through a bunch of position battles and talk about whether we thought they were kind of still going or whether we thought maybe one person had already kind of won it. Uh, but I want to focus in now as we're so close and the, and the Carolina Panthers are going to play their starters into the second quarter, at least on Friday night, we're going to get a really good look at a lot of different players. Sean McDermott said um, most starters won't play. I imagine like Kyer Elam will probably play uh, some of those fringe starter guys that are still kind of competing, but let's start with position battles that we're watching the closest over the next week. We're going to go through three, maybe four. Start us off, Ryan. Yeah, let's get started with the uh, defensive end. Obviously, we know that the starters in the scenario are Von Miller and Greg Rousseau, but who's going to be the number three guy? Who's going to be that first guy off the bench? And uh, you look at the candidates, Matt, and you have players like um, AJ Epineza, Boogie Basham. Uh, we even were talking a little bit about Shaq Lawson and then um, we, you know, we at least want to give a little bit of love to Mike Love now that he's going to be in the discussion for that role, but they have so much talent. Who's going to be that third guy off the bench? And then we'll get started with you, Matt. First off, before we get there, um, let's shout out my guy, Bernardo D, uh, Dice from, uh, Brazil just found out he's going to be having a little girl. I saw it on Instagram recently. Uh, I met Bernardo last year. I did a story for him. You can find it, uh, on the website over at New York upstate and Syracuse.com. Awesome friend of the show, 
Awesome Bills fan. Gives out the shout-out. Go Bills. Uh, thank you for the super chat, uh, Bernardo. Well, I can see a scenario where we get into the season and it ends up being Shaq Lawson, as crazy as that might seem to some people. But I think going into the season, the person that's going to be not only the first off the bench, but also probably the guy that gets the highest snap share of the three is going to be AJ Epinesa. I think they want to see the most from him. I think they want to put a lot on his plate. He's had a really, really good summer. And now you're going to see, hopefully, if you're the Bills, the fruits of the labor that he put in in the offseason to get his body right, to come in motivated. I think throughout training camp, if you want to put those three in a bucket, A.J. Epinesa was was head and shoulders above, above the other three guys. Boogie Basham had the big splash play. And I do think that because of the role that he's going to play as probably that fourth guy, I think there's going to be a scenario too. I think might be the better question is, is one of these guys going to get a game day inactive? I can see a situation where, depending on special teams and how that all lines up and how they use everybody, I could see them going in with all five defensive ends active on game day and just getting having Shaq Lawson available to them if maybe the, the younger guys aren't performing, especially in a big-time game to start off against the Rams. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assumption in terms of maybe all five guys. We, we've talked for years now about the fact that Sean McDermott loves rotating his defensive line uh, and especially at defensive end, keeping the guys fresh. You want to get Von Miller out there, obviously, as much as possible. But with uh, three young guys and another veteran in check loss, and why not rotate them in in certain game situations based on special teams? Uh, so that does make a lot of sense. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with AJ Epineza in terms of being uh, the first guy off the bench. He's had his moments at training camp. Uh, and, and, you know, we were, I think we were pretty fair in Epineza on days there where he really was shining the brightest. Some of those days were days where they weren't in pads. So we kind of said it with, with a little bit of caution, but he, he stepped up his game. He deserves that opportunity uh, to be the first man off the bench at defensive end for this uh, roster. We've seen him flash. We need to see, you know, we don't need to see that flash, that Miami game over the course of a 17 game season. We just need to see some consistent play from AJ Epinesa. I think that's the one thing that the Bills want to see. Uh, we know how fast he is in, in terms of when the ball is snapped. He was number one in the league last year based on players that played something like 150 snaps. Uh, but what about the pass rush arsenal? What about the pass moves? Can he get to the quarterback, take down the quarterback? That's what they're going to be looking for in terms of the first guy off the bench, Matt. Yeah, and, and D. Anderson over on YouTube, he makes a great point. Didn't AJ have a decent offseason last year too? And does it for sure translate? I think that's a fair question. But I think where maybe the excitement level should come from, if you're a Bills fan hoping or being a little bit more optimistic for Anasa this year is he wasn't rushing potentially with Von Miller last year. He didn't spend a summer in a locker room with Von Miller last year. And he probably learned a lot. There's a lot of, that he probably threw out from last season that he's kind of flushing and kind of resetting for, you know, this year. And I don't think he was as strong in training camp, nearly as strong in training camp last year as he was this year. So I think that that has to give you a little bit of hope at least. And again, with, with the addition of Von Miller, like these are minor problems. Like if Epinesa does not, flash this year right and if he's somebody that you got to kind of put on the back burner and maybe even think about what are the plans if he turns into Cody Ford this coming offseason I think you're in a situation where it's not as glaring of a problem because you signed Vaughn but also because you have Shaq Lawson and other guys that you're probably going to be able to get Mike Love back on your practice squad there's serviceable parts behind what you've added and that's a superstar Miller yeah, it does not translate for sure. That That's a very fair argument to be had. But I, I think there's two disruptors on this defensive line and Von Miller and Ed Oliver, obviously the defensive tackle position. Uh, and I think those two guys alone are going to do a lot of damage for this defense and defensive line specifically. So if you can get a Greg Russo to step up his game, um, look out, you know, look out all opposition. But then in terms of the guys off the bench, Epineza deserves that first crack at it and showing in terms of showing that he can be a difference maker as well. I'm going to go to my my neck, my big position battle that I'm watching, and, and that comes down to a late riser, and that is Quentin Morris. Tight end, started for the Bills last week, and I think he's kind of um, surpassed Tommy Sweeney, or at least he's kind of in line uh, with what Tommy Sweeney brings. I don't think we should downplay the experience that Sweeney has in this offense, but I think the Bills really like Quentin Morris. and. I think that the specific matchup now, the, the position battle, is Morris against O.J. Howard. And O.J. Howard's in a situation where he's underperformed to this point, 
right? I think that that's fair enough to say. I, you know, um, you can have any expectation that you want of OJ Howard coming in here, former first round draft pick. You know, all of the the narratives that people kind of conjured up when the Bills signed him. I get wanting to see the height of what he could possibly be. I don't think anybody that's being realistic ever thought he was coming in here as that player. Um, and he hasn't been. As a matter of fact, at, at times this this summer and spring, I've I've mentioned in my reporting, like he's looked a little bit robotic. He's looked slow. And it hasn't really improved enough to the point where now facing going into the last preseason game, he's probably going to have a little bit of a fight on his hands against Quentin Morris. Now, he had a nice touchdown catch last week, but I think he's got to show a little bit more unless there's something happening behind the scenes and there's, and there's faith there. I really think Quentin Morris, they like him a lot. Yeah. You know, if there was one player that I, I swung on and missed, it would be OJ Howard. I, I thought that the bills were going to run a lot of two tight end sets and he was going to benefit from having Dawson Knox and all those receivers out there. His camp was unimpressive. He he did not show much during training camp. The athleticism uh, was not on display in terms of what, the Buccaneers thought they were getting for him years ago when they drafted him the first round injuries have taken their toll on him. Uh, and now it kind of has opened the door for these other tight end options, specifically Quentin Morris. Morris is someone that uh, has blocked well in the preseason. He's, he has more athleticism at this point in his career than OJ Howard. In my opinion, uh, we saw him make a nice catch down the field uh, despite having his face mask grabbed at one point. So in the preseason, that is in the first game. So I, I think there's a chance for Quentin Morris to make this team. Uh, to Howard's credit, he's caught every ball thrown his way in the preseason at three catches in the last game, a touchdown included in that where he was able to use his frame and size uh, to catch that touchdown. I, I think he's had some notable blocks in the preseason, too, that maybe when the, the team goes back and watches the film the next day or that night, they say, OK, well, he might not be making an impact that being Howard uh, as a receiver, but we like what he's doing in terms of run blocking. We like that he's opening this lane for Singletary or Moss or Cook. Um, and that might end up being what lands him on this roster. But the fact that we're sitting here, Matt, in late August talking about OJ Howard potentially not being on this team, it, it kind of says it all in terms of what his summer has been like here with the Bills. Listen, I, I don't think like to your point, I don't think you're necessarily wrong yet. Like, I don't think that we haven't even seen it in the season yet. We haven't seen a game where Dawson Knox was in there running as the number one and an opportunity to see what it looks like with with OJ Howard in there. Has he had a bad summer? Yeah, I, I think you could say that for a guy they spent three and a half million on. And oh, by the way, side note, you know, there were some reports out there um, about you know, OJ Howard being a cut candidate for the Bills well, and there being some potential savings there if the Bills cut him. There is no savings. There's almost three uh, three plus million in dead cap if the Bills cut him. 2.5 this year, as Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 pointed out. And then I think it's like 600,000 uh, next year in dead cap if the Bills move on. Now, you do save the $2 million if you trade him and get that money off the books because there's a little bit of a, a guarantee there that you'd have to kind of be responsible for depending on what a team wants to take on, all that kind of stuff. But I think that getting make sure clarifying that point is important. This isn't a situation where they're going to cut an O.J. Howard and eat $3 million. That's just, you know, could they? Sure. Has he been that bad this summer? I would not go that far. No, I agree with that. It, it's not a cut candidate. It's more of a can you trade him? Um, and, and even in the article that we'll get to here in a little bit where I had him as a trade candidate, I said, I think he's still more likely on this roster on opening day than not uh, at this point in time, despite there being an, an up and down and mostly down summer. All right. I'm going to give you the tiebreaker here, Ryan Talbot. Um, not the tiebreaker, but the final say on the third position battle. And I want to mention one that's not really a position battle, but one that I want to talk about. Let, let's see where you go here. What's number three? Oh, there's a few that I was thinking about going with, but you know what? I, I'm going to go with uh, Jake Kumaro and Isaiah Hodgins. And let me let me start out by saying I think there is a scenario where both of these players make this roster. So this is not necessarily. Can I, can I throw something out there just sure. to be a, so we can set this up so we can conversate back and forth? I don't think there's a scenario where both of them Ooh, make it. But okay, continue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still think there is a scenario where the Bills go wide receiver heavy. Uh, in that scenario, they only keep 
uh, two tight ends because then even though they said Reggie Gilliam's a fullback first and foremost, he has the versatility to be an emergency type of tight end that allows you to keep an extra player at wide receiver. So where they've traditionally kept six, maybe they can keep seven this year and both guys find a, a roster spot. So I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be one or the other where you are saying that's going to be the case, but it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, first I'd like to hear your thoughts before I, I share mine in terms of which direction I think they would go. I think I'm at the point where I think, um, well, I was before today where I was going with Kumaro over Hodgins and I've now I'm now waffling again because what's the best ability, Ryan Talbot, Sean McDermott says it every single year. Availability. Availability and Jake Kumro, who's missed a good chunk of practices uh, this this uh, training camp, he missed another one today uh, with general soreness was the term that the Bills used. The problem I see for Hodgins over Kumro is what's his pl- his path to not taking up a a spot on the uh, on the fifty three and never getting a game day jersey, right? Like you're if he's active as the seventh as the sixth. You're probably not activating him. You probably have better options on special teams, on coverage teams than Isaiah Hodgins. I just think that you do. Unless he's taking that kind of jump, and it's something that I don't feel qualified enough to say. I'm not watching the special teams part of it enough. Now, he played on some, a, a number of special teams units uh, last Saturday, and I thought he had one play in particular where he kind of came down, sprung a tackler. I can't remember if it was Cam Lewis or maybe it was Nick McLeod. Oh, no, it was McLeod, the one that he got injured on. Yeah. Isaiah Hodgins came down the field and absolutely exploded into a double block and cleared the lane for McLeod, who ended up going in and making a tackle. So that's probably his job on that play. That's probably a good check mark for him that, you know, maybe he's doing some of the things uh, that you that you want him to do. I just don't I, I if, if you're looking at wide receiver right now, Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, right? Then Isaiah McKenzie and Jake Kumara or um uh, Jamison Crowder are in the slot, some kind of variation. If one of those two out, outside guys gets hurt, next up is a combination of McKenzie and Khalil Shakir. And it it might be like you want to put Shakir out there on plays when you want McKenzie in the slot, or you want Crowder in the slot and you move McKenzie to the boundary, which they did a little bit last week on the, dr- the one drive that Josh Allen played. So I just don't see a path to meaningful playing time for Hodgins unless there's a bunch of injuries. But there's just this little piece in my brain that I keep saying, like, do the Bills want to risk losing him, knowing what they feel about him? But I just think at this stage, late day three picks, the same thing kind of goes for Balen Spector, to be honest with you. As good of a camp and preseason as he's had, it just gets to a point where you have too much talent on the roster and you just you got to risk a few. Yeah, and I'm kind of right where you're at. I, I still have Hodgins on the right side of the bubble right now, but how many games is he going to be active? And even if he's active, how many snaps is he going to see at receiver based on all those other players in front of him? Because I agree with those uh, top five guys that you mentioned. At best, he's wide receiver six. Could you use him specifically in the red zone? Let him use his size and physicality? Yes, but is that enough to make him a game day active type of player? I'm not sure. Uh, just like you said, maybe the bills are really happy with him in terms of his special teams play, what they've seen from him this summer. Maybe that is the way that he is active on this roster. Kumaro, we know what he brings to the table from a special teams perspective, but he's been banged up. So if it comes down to availability, Eileen Hodgins, if it comes down to uh, solely because of special teams, I lead, uh, I'm leaning a little bit Kumaro, but I also, and, and, I also think there is a way for them to carry both players. So, you know, it's kind of a cop out, but I'm going to go with both in this scenario. I think there is a way to get both of them on the 53 man roster. The reason I'm so in the camp that they don't keep the seventh receiver is because I think they're going to keep an extra defensive back. And I think it's going to be Cam Lewis. And I think we're at the point now where Christian Benford has done enough this preseason and training camp to where you can't cut him. He's a lock. Mm. And so if that's the case, if you want to risk, who would you rather risk your sixth, seventh, eighth receiver or a guy in Cam Lewis who could be a versatile piece? He could play boundary quarter. We've seen it uh, in the past. He, he's obviously now been the, the main backup for Taron Johnson in the slot. Saran Neal could play it too, but they've gone to Cam Lewis with that option. Neal's become more of a boundary corner. He can play safety now. 
Like wild versatility for Cam Lewis. They're throwing him out there just to see what he can kind of do at different spots. So I'm just, I'm more in the camp of them trying to keep Cam Lewis because I think Cam Lewis, if you're ranking players, we did this exercise a couple weeks ago, who, what teams are looking at this Bills roster and ranking the potential guys that are in that cut pool? I guarantee you the majority of NFL teams have Cam Lewis at the top because cornerbacks are so hard to find in this league, versatile corners, and can play some safety and can play on special teams. I just think that that's a a big feather in his cap and something that they're not going to want to risk because Taron Johnson plays a physical brand of ball. He gets hurt, and you could probably rely on Sarandil. You could probably rely on Benford for that matter. But having Cam Lewis, I think, is a luxury this team's going to want to have. No, I I agree in that scenario with Cam Lewis 100%. Um, You know, it wasn't that long ago where Taron Johnson was struggling. It was a few seasons ago where they were going to turn to Cam Lewis, and then Lewis gets injured. Uh, Taron Johnson writes the ship on his own, and he's been a a star ever since in terms of being one of the best uh, slot cornerbacks, nickel cornerbacks in this league. But Cam Lewis has shown that he can be a, a valuable player to this roster. He's gotten better every year. In addition to the ability to play, you know, inside, outside on corner, you you mentioned it. He can play safety. The more you can do for this team, the more likely it is that you make this roster. Throw in special teams, and it's hard to say that uh, that there's no role for Cam Lewis on the 2022 Bills. I think there is. So these are the decisions that uh, you know. I'm glad Brandon Bean's making them, and that uh, you know we don't, the fans don't. It's it's why the GMs get the big bucks and. Uh, why why he's going to have some really tough decisions here on the 30th. Me and Von Miller are similar in this way. I'd love to be an NFL GM. You know, I crush it in Madden franchise mode. I've built several elite, elite dynasties in my time, Ryan Talbot. So speak for yourself. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Let's talk about this other position battle. And I think it, so I think it is and it isn't. I think it is because I think of how well Christian Benford has played and the fact that the Bills might be in a situation where they just want to see him play, but I cannot see a scenario, no matter what happens with Tredavious White, where Kyrie Elam isn't on the field in some uh, or some capacity when they start. Is this is this a position battle? Has has Christian Benford done enough to kind of keep it going, or is this something where we get to the regular season and he's in a, a strictly depth role, or do they rotate? Uh, I think the Elam plays the bulk between those two players specifically in terms of snaps and Benford starts as a rotational guy as the year goes on. Could that change in terms of the snap counts for both players? Yeah, because obviously you, you factor white into the equation, whether it's week one, week four, whenever he comes back, they still have Dane Jackson uh, that they like a lot too. So, and then Benford, if he keeps impressing when he gets his opportunities, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. But, but I think that Elam deserves that benefit. He he deserves that chance to be, uh, to play those meaningful reps out of the gate because of the fact that he's flashed at times this summer. He is their first round pick. Uh, I don't think that Brandon Bean would, would go away from a player just because it would make him, I, I don't want to say it would make him look wrong for, for going with Elam in the first round and then Benford late. You didn't know what you're getting from a small school guy in terms of the, the progress that he's shown in this one summer. Uh, but, I, but I think that Elam, you drafted him with a specific uh, role in mind out of the gate for him, knowing that cornerback has been an issue. Uh, he, you know, he's had to learn some new techniques this summer. That's part of the the growing process for him. Um, he can be overly physical at times and that can lead to flags and that will affect his snap count in season if that takes place. But right now I don't consider it a roster battle. I, I think that Elam, uh, especially early on this year, plays a lot more reps than a guy like Benford. Reps are important, Ryan. They're important every single day. You wake up, you drink some coffee, you have some breakfast, you head over to valuehomecenter.com. It's it's a great place to go to. And you know, they have a lot going on there. They're your hometown team. And going on right now, it's your last chance to stock up on summer outdoor essentials. Shop outdoor furniture, fire pits, tables, grills garden tools, and outdoor decor. Uh, head over to their website. Check out the current ad right now. It's also the end of the season clearance sale. Save $7 instantly on Valspar Integrity Exterior Paint. $5 on Valspar True Basics Exterior Self Priming Paint. Uh, value Home Centers. The best. Speaking of the best, the sizzle of the grill. Popping mm. open a refreshing drink. Crowds cheering for their favorite team. Ryan Talbot, I love the... Uh, the, the the sound effects that you're giving us. These are the beautiful sounds 
of football season. And Tops is right there with you from fresh meat to locally grown produce. Tops has everything you need and so much more. Tops at your barbecues since 1962. Love it, man. Hey, I, I just saw a great question in here and uh, figured it would be a good time to share it. Why did Brandon Bean say he's going to make some room with restructuring this week? Uh, Who is he going to target? What move is he going to make? It's not necessarily, in my opinion, for a movement. It's to have that money for in-season if an injury takes place. If you need to make a move based on maybe you know, a specific position, uh, whether it's the starter now, the depth behind it, not playing up to the caliber that they were expecting. You always want to have that nest egg where you can go out and make a move. So I've had a lot of fans ask uh, on Twitter spaces or just Twitter in general, social media, is it for Odell Beckham juniors for Joe Hayden? Could it eventually be for one of those two players? Sure. But it could be for a variety of different players. It could be for, um, many different reasons, but I don't think that he made that comment specifically for one player at this point in time. What do you think, Matt? No, I think it definitely was about our operational budget, right? Like he likes to go into his every season with, you know, the ability to make moves if he needs it. Uh, do I think Odell Beckham Jr. is in play? Of course, whenever he's ready. I think that's going to be a conversation the Bills are willing to have. Is it going to be, is it going to happen? Definitely. I don't think anybody can say that for you know uh, definitively, but when you have a superstar player, and I was talking about this on a radio show this week, uh, our buddies Danger and Bataglia over there on, in Rochester, and I said the thing about this regime that we know is that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott they value the opinions of their people. Like I remember going back and talking to him about Brandon Bean about that first free agency period where they added all that, you know, that offensive line, um, you know, bulk, that depth, right? You know, he he spent a lot of time with Bobby Johnson going back and talking about, you know, who did he like? Who did he have good relationships with? Who did he hear good things about? When you have those kinds of relationships in the building, you're going to lean on those guys. Von Miller is petitioning for Odell Beckham Jr. Is there an opinion that this regime respects more right now than Von Miller, who's coming off a Super Bowl title and could have been a Super Bowl MVP. Sean McDermott a couple weeks ago was talking about how, you know, just walking around the facility and being in the lunchroom, just cozying it up to Von to listen to what he what he has to say, you know, learning from him, sharing information. He respects that guy's opinion. If Von Miller wants it, I have a feeling that the when the time is right and ready, the Bills are going to want it too. Whether yeah. or not it gets done, the money makes sense, I don't know. But that's just my point. And, and that's just it. You, you know, it's what Von Miller wants, maybe what the Bills want in, in due time, maybe November, December time. But Odell Beckham Jr., as much as I think he would like to play with Von Miller, potentially play, uh, play for the Bills, he's going to look at what's available to him. Other Super Bowl contenders as well. The Rams, obviously, uh, is a, a landing spot for him to return to. And if there's two potential Super Bowl candidates both vying for his services, then it comes down to money, in my opinion. And if the Rams have more to offer him and he thinks that they're just as good of a chance coming out of the NFC as the Bills in the AFC, he might go that route. And that's A-OK. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. should be the last player to be in a rush to make this decision. If I were him, I would be waiting until I was close to 100% because at that point in time, you're going to have a good idea who the true contenders are in the NFL and which team can I sign for short term and for one season, maybe not break the bank, but where can I get my second Super Bowl ring? And and that's where the bills will make a lot of sense for him. Uh, but it's going to come down to both parties wanting that the bills with and Von Miller, as well as obviously Odell Beckham Jr. You know, we get sidetracked here. We've talked about Poyer a, a, a lot. Um, he's he's getting ramped up. I, I think he'll be ready to go by week one. Uh, a lot of people were wondering if those comments maybe meant, uh, you know, some some traction in the conversations between Poyer's camp and the Bills. And it's like with conversations I was having with colleagues, like just at practice and and and, and whatnot in the media, you get thinking about like what are the potential options for a Poyer, a, a Poyer update, right? There could probably be a situation where the Bills stand pat, nothing happens, and he goes into free agency next year. One thing that was floated was like a one-year extension that gives him more money um, this year and more money overall. And then obviously the the, the long-term extension, which the fact that it hasn't happened to this point makes you really wonder if that's in the, in the cards or possible. But I, if I'm Jordan Poyer's camp, I think that that second option you know, or, or I should add a fourth option that he just gets more money this year, like maybe like a signing bonus added on to this year's you know number, whatever it ends up. Being. I think he's at around six or seven million. Maybe they give him an eight million dollar 
uh, uptick, whatever it ends up being, and the money works out at a void year next year so he can go into free agency. I don't know how the, 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 the real nitty gritty of that of those details work. But among those four options, the option to me that's like completely out of the mix from Poyer's side to me would be a two, a, another year added on and and just a, a very, you know, just a little bit of a jump in terms of this year and next year. I think he wants one more big bite of the apple. That wouldn't make a ton of sense from his side to go then. Now you don't really get to go into free agency until you're 33 and you just have to do another kind of up it up again deal, which he just did a couple of years ago that he was obviously unsatisfied, unsatisfied with. Yeah, I agree with you completely. He he wants one big payday coming off of an all pro year. Uh, so maybe the bills, like you said, can satisfy him this year, throw some extra money his way and let him hit free agency. You know, the, the bills could still maybe vie for him in free agency, uh, but he, he's earned the right to test the market and maybe go to a team that will pay him more. Maybe there won't be a Super Bowl contender. Maybe it will be a team that's looking for safety help and could be in the mix at the end of next season. Um, but it, it's hard to justify one, a long-term deal here in Buffalo when you already have so much money tied into a lot of other quality players. And there's so many young guys uh, coming up on the horizon that are going to need new deals as well. It's just part of the game that uh, is unfortunate. You can't keep everyone but it, obviously, I think Poyer wants to be here this year to contend for a Super Bowl, get that ring potentially, and, and then maybe uh, get that one last big contract somewhere else. Because as you said, if you just add one more year, he's hurting that potential because uh, as you get into those 32, 33 years old, unless you're a premier pass rusher, unless you're a quarterback that somehow hits the market around that age, you're generally not going to be breaking the bank, um, you know, especially a position like safety where you depend on your athleticism and, and things like that. So I'd like to think there's going to be a happy medium. Brandon Bean said there wasn't really anything new there in terms of contract talks, but in terms of where it's been the last time that he's talked with Drew Rosenhaus, we might not know that where that is. Maybe they've made substantial progress, but he just said there's nothing new to report based on the last time he's had uh, contract talks. So something to monitor nonetheless. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. I'm going to take my lumps. Uh, I'm going to take it on the chin from uh, a few commenters that, that made sure to let me know that um, my big summer take absolutely flatlined this week when the Bills traded Cody Ford. Now, listen, this was always an option, Ryan, right? Even if he had a good summer, even if he had a good training camp, they could get to a point where, like Brandon Bean said in his press conference, he wasn't going to be a starter for them. He was going to be have a depth role. And he doesn't have versatility to play a tackle anymore. He hasn't played there since a, as a rookie. So if you're Brandon Bean sitting there and his camp is telling you that he wants to be a starter, it just makes sense to get so, to recoup some kind of deal. Because what recent uh, scenario did we see, Ryan, where the Bills had, had somebody that wanted to be a starter, they took that job away from him, and then it became so much of a problem that they released him? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And what was what? that? What was it? That was a question. Oh, I, off the top of my head, I'm struggling here. Two uh, years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm so, on the line. I'm in vacation Ryan, mode, you know? That's all right. I'm going to give you a second. I'm going to let the comments right. catch up. Let's see if somebody can get it before Ryan Talbot. All right. Lay it out for me one more time. Because right? you it broke up for a little bit in between when you were talking there on my end. So a recent example of a player that thought he was a starter the Bills decided he wasn't, and it deteriorated so much so quickly that the oh, Bills yeah. just cut him. Quentin Spain, yeah. Quentin Spain. Yeah. Mark Stulowowski. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. Jeremy Barnes as well. Big time. It's all right. First of all, you don't have to – I put you in a bad spot there because I could. I should have read your eyes. I did to you what people do to me all the time. You're like, you're not listening to Matt. You weren't listening to me because you were reading the, the – looking for questions. I get it. I get it. And and people right. yell at me all the time. I'm not going to yell at you. 
because I know that you were just doing your best to produce this show while we were live. I appreciate you, Ryan Talbot. Well, thank you. You know, what's funny actually is I was going to, uh, there was one comment in there about, uh, the, the Cody Ford train, because I remember we were talking about it early this summer and I sent you that, uh, GIF live on air and then you called me out on it. Cause I texted it to you of the train going off the rail, but let me, let me also say uh, to Cody Ford's great. credit. The last time we got together for a show, I sat here and I said, you know, I thought he played well enough these two preseason games to be on the 53-man roster. I had him getting traded in my 53-man roster projection. But the way that Ford has played uh, in those first two preseason games, he, he definitely made me reconsider that just because he was really good in that role. Now, as Brandon Bean said, he wasn't going to start here. There was no question about that. He's getting first-team reps with the Arizona Cardinals right now. Um, it, it's going to be a quick turnaround for him in terms of to maybe win that starting job, but their offensive line sounds like it's in a lot worse shape than where the Bills currently are in terms of the talent, the depth. So there's a chance for him to start, have Kyler Murray back there behind him, have Hollywood Brown, a little Oklahoma reunion for him of sorts. So it, it just seems like what was best for both parties because you you have Ford who wasn't going to start here. He's getting a fresh start elsewhere and the Bills are getting a fifth round pick, which yes, it's not a second round pick like they invested in him a few years ago. Uh, but I still think that's pretty good value for someone that has dealt with injuries in his career that has started some games, but hasn't been the player that you thought you were getting when you signed or when you drafted him, I should say. No, I, I think you make a lot of really good points there. I think you deserve kudos for not only the gift you sent when I made my, um, my hot take that didn't pan out, but also having this exact scenario play out in your latest 53 man roster. Um, Ryan Talbot does this for a living. You can tell sometimes <laughs> also, one of the things I've seen a lot over the last couple of days is like this idea that Ford is going to turn into Wyatt Teller. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that, first of all, it's a completely different scenario where you've seen enough of Cody Ford at this point. Wyatt Teller barely played. I mean, he started the nine games as a rookie, so you got to see him from that perspective. But you've seen every version of Cody Ford to this point. And I think if you're the Bills, you've just decided that's not going to work in your system, in your program. And that's okay. And, you know, they, they've proven an ability for as much as I'll probably knock them a little bit. Uh, it's hard to knock this regime, you know, uh, the coaching staff, the front office, they do a great job of finding talent and then developing talent in almost every position room. They haven't done a great job of that on the offensive line. I, they really only have one guy who's been developed as an offensive lineman in this program. And that's Deion Dawkins. You could probably make an argument for Ryan Bates, but I still think we're very early on. This is going to be his first big year. He got the new contract. There's a lot of teams that are high on him. Everything, you know, we're card carry members of the Bates Hive, but he's got to continue to do it. And I think so he will be added into that bucket if he has himself a really good year and he kind of becomes that year over year starter. But, you know, they got to hit on some of these younger offensive linemen. You know, they 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 got Spencer Brown, they have Tommy Doyle, they drafted Luke Tenuta. So they're obviously pivoting to a much more athleticism-based profile when they're evaluating uh, offensive linemen. Some of these have to hit for them, although they do do a good job of kind of mixing and match it, matching. Uh, Kudo mentions Mitch, Mitch Morse. He was very much well-developed before he got to Buffalo. They paid him $10 million a year on the free agent market. Yeah, no, and to your point, I may throw out an undraft free agent player too. I thought Alec Anderson has had some really good reps in the preseason. Is he going to make the 53-man roster? No, I, there's no scenario there, but I think he's one of those players that are going to try to develop on the practice squad, bring him back, and there might be a few others too that they like in terms of what they've seen because preseason is just a small sample size of what they've seen and evaluated all summer, uh, but, it, but it is important for them to hit on this, and, and that goes to Aaron Cromer now, and it was Bobby Johnson the last few years it's really important for Cromer to live up to that reputation of getting the best out of his guys. It's something that he's known for doing in the past. Uh, I think that the way that Cody Ford played in the two preseason games really speaks volumes about what he can do in a small span of time. If, if Ryan Bates builds off of his season from last year, which was under Johnson, has a great year this year, um, that's going to help in terms of the Bills bringing these players along, developing in terms of uh, saying that it's not just Deion Dawkins anymore. They traded for Bates uh, early in his career when out of Philly when uh, when he wasn't going to get a shot there. So right now, there's not a lot in terms of offensive line development that we've seen under this regime, but they have the right guy coaching the offensive line right now, in my opinion. And I think that you're going to start seeing some of these younger players step up uh, when their opportunity comes. 
Jason Conklin uh, says he's a huge fan. Thank you, buddy, over on uh, YouTube. He says, will Spencer Brown start at right tackle? I, I do think that he will. I, I think Brandon Bean's comments were um, illuminating. Uh, Questenberry's obviously been in the mix there because they've been kind of bringing Bates or um, Spencer Brown back slow. But when he's full goal, he's their starting right tackle in my eyes. Yeah, and I think even if maybe it won't be week one, maybe they'll say, okay, he still needs some more reps. At some point this season, I fully anticipate him taking over that starting role. Questenberry being a key reserve off the bench. Um, you, you drafted him last year. You started him a lot last year. He had ups and downs as as any rookie would in such an important role. But uh, you have a lot of faith in developing him, bringing him along the right way. And I think that as long as he can stay healthy, because back injuries are no joke for large offensive lineman of his size, of his stature. Um, so despite him being a young player, you'd have to keep that in mind. You know, back injuries are very serious for offensive tackles. As long as he can stay healthy, I anticipate him getting back in that starting role, um, you know, within the first few weeks of the season. Quick question. And it's not position specific. I just want next man up. Deion Daw- outside of center, because Greg Mance is probably the the backup center. Maybe Ryan Bates, but I, I think they like him at guard now. Uh, they want they want some continuity. He was talking about that. You take those five off. If there's an injury, who's the first person off the bench? If Brown's the starting right tackle at any spot. Oh, so I Questenberry then. If if okay. Brown's yeah, I, I would definitely go Questenberry in terms of the top guy off the bench in that snare. I thought and he, he could play in. all four spots. That right. that's my point. Like and I yes. think that kind of played into why they got rid of Cody Ford is that all right, we got a guy in Questenberry who can play both tackle spot, both guard spots. Why not? Right. And then let me also just throw out he's not gonna be the first guy off the bench. This is what gives Bobby Hart a legitimate chance of making this roster. Brandon Bean talked Mm -hmm. about it yesterday in the press conference. Uh, They feel like he can play four different spots in this offensive line. And he he said, you know, sometimes the fans are going to call him, you know, call out Hart based on clips that they've seen or certain specific plays, but they like what they've seen from him at times at tackle, but more specifically at guard this summer, he's done a really good job in this system. And I I think that he's put enough on film or maybe at roster cutdown set day, they say he is depth that this team can kind of keep along on this roster. We're going to get into some stuff. Uh, full practice report today. Um, obviously, we mentioned Jay Kumaro. Greg Mance is still dealing with his injury. He did not practice today. Tommy Doyle out of the boot or out of the, um, uh, I think he was out of the boot. Um, I, can't, I can't remember if I saw him there yesterday, but he's progressing for sure. Poyer working off to the side. Uh, it doesn't look like Kingsley Jonathan is going to play uh, this weekend. Uh, Tim Settle still working off to the side uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, T- Doyle was out of the walking boat, which is a huge development because we're you know, when you're asking him for uh, asking Brandon Bean if it's going to be a scenario where Tommy Doyle, you know, maybe going on like IR or something of that magnitude to have that not be the case is a, is a pretty big deal. Yes, and let me also just give a shout out to the wheelie mobile, uh, the the term that Brandon Bean used to talk about the walking scooter. No, that's great news for Tommy Doyle. Uh, Someone else that I think has some versatility, tackle guard versatility, uh, despite his size and stature, because I think when he was first drafted, everyone kind of said, oh, that's not someone that you're going to kick inside. But he's shown uh, some ability to play there, and it's maybe something worth developing. So always good news where... Uh, he's out of the walking boot and maybe one step closer to playing some meaningful depth reps for this team. Can the Bills be an all-time great team? Johnny on YouTube asks. Part of him says he thinks yes. Part of him as a longtime Bills fan is still hesitant. It's possible, isn't it, Ryan Talbot? Possible? Absolutely, because you have a franchise quarterback in Josh Allen and you're going to have him for the foreseeable future. Uh, This is not just someone that you're going to have to worry about contract talks here again soon. You have him locked up long term. You're probably going to get another long term deal out of him at some point in his career here in Buffalo. So as long as he can stay healthy, there's no reason to think that you can't be uh, in the mix every year with a quarterback like that. You have some young weapons on this team, not just Stefan Diggs, but Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox. I love what I've seen from Khalil Shakir. Uh, I really think that his role is going to be bigger than a lot of people anticipated as a rookie. And then uh, a huge role maybe in 2023, James Cook, the defensive side of the ball. 
you have Trey White. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we talked maybe you're not going to have Poyer long term, but you still have Hyde for a little while. You have a lot of young cornerbacks in the mix, two good linebackers, and, and there's going to be discussion about Edmonds in terms of his contract. And then some really good young players on the defensive line. If one of those young defensive ends steps up this year and can consistently play at a high level, then I think that, yes, this can be a all-time great team. But you also have to remember, you have guys like Von Miller uh, who are here for the short term, guys like uh, Micah Hyde, who has, you know, I still think he has a lot of good football left in him, but he's he's getting a little bit older in terms of some of these position players that the Bills have. So you're going to always have really talented players going out the door, but the, the young core that this team has, yes, the potential is there. Obviously, they have to start winning some Super Bowls though to really get into that conversation first and foremost. Yeah, and I think the thing that you like the most about you know long-term success is an, a proven ability to find talent in the draft and then a regime um, in the front office that knows how to prioritize the the lines and they've learned from past failures in in multiple position groups right like they, they they went back to the well one too many times in the defensive line you know some of those carolina uh connections which are now pretty much evaporated right like i, I don't think you're going back to that pipeline too much now 6 years removed from their time there but They've moved on. They, they, they've, they've, they've found things that have worked. They, you know, obviously you're not going to have a Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson every year on, on the free agent market where you can add 16 sacks from two seasons prior back into your mix as number seven and eight in the rotation. But you, you get my point. It's a regime that really has learned from successes and failures of the past. And if they if they continue to evolve, that's what gives you a chance to be great year over year. It helps to have the quarterback, like you mentioned. Uh, but yeah, Johnny, I definitely think they have a chance to be really great for a really long time. Um, it starts this year, though. Uh, I want to get to a couple more things. Um, and before we get to our final segment, Dave Allentown on YouTube. Nice name. Hit that like button, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, he says, wonder what Cromer unlocked in Bobby Hart. I sat down with Bobby Hart for about 20 minutes yesterday, and I will have that full story next week at New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. Don't miss it. What a, what a bell to a future story, Matt. I love it. I know. I know. He commented on a lot of stuff about – he talked about, obviously, the, the internet hate, the um, – what it's been like, what, what his NFL career has been like, what's allowed him to get to this point, what last year was like. I'll give a little bit of a snippet. That was the first time he's ever been cut from a team in his um, athletic life. When the Bills cut him at the, at the final 53-man cutdown, he had to come back to the practice squad as a guy that, you know, maybe not was, wasn't great in New York or Cincinnati. He started 60 games before he ever got to the Bills. So a guy that had gotten used to a certain role in this league, he told me a little bit about why he thinks it didn't go so well for him early on. He told me about what's been different here. All that's going to be in the story. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for that too, because uh, he's someone that I've kind of gone to bat for as of late. And, and there's a lot of comments on the stories on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Were like, um, I had one guy on Facebook say, pay me the amount of money Bobby Hart's making and I can do that job. And I'm like, no, buddy, you absolutely could not. Um, <laughs> but but do me a fa- just- for anybody that says that, I want to see you run a gasser, like sideline to sideline, go to any uh, football field. And if you can make it there and back and not put your hands on your knees when you get back, we'll have the conversation. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, he's dealt with a lot in terms of the way people view him. And, and I get it. We're in a day and age where you can get a clip of a player getting beaten badly on a play or uh, things of that nature. But he's shown great improvement this year. And, and that's what matters when this, the team's making their final decisions. And I'm not sitting here saying he's a lot for the roster, but if he doesn't make this roster, I guarantee you the Bills are making a a call to his agent saying we want him on the practice squad as long as he doesn't get claimed elsewhere. He he is really important. He's someone that we think we could elevate in season to the main roster just based on what they've seen this year, Matt. You know, one of the cool things about our show, like I think a lot of um, folks do a great job on their podcasts. We're in the locker room. Right. And so this Bobby Hart story is actually, you know, it helps to, as a reporter, 
to have this kind of access to the fan base, this conversational piece back and forth. Not only are we bringing you analysis and content when we're doing these podcasts, we're interacting with you. We're reading your comments. We're reading your takes, your, your ideas, your thoughts. And so when I go into the locker room, when I have a conversation with a player that, you know, I bring all of that with me, Ryan brings all of that with him. So it's kind of like a cool thing that I think really helps our show's dynamic stand out. Um, but I want to, I bring that up because I want to say thank you because the conversation that happens in the, in these comment sections, I mean, it, they're, they're useful to us. They're, um, they're something that we really appreciate. Yeah. It, one, it spurs great conversation in show, but it can lead to story ideas. It can lead to questions for stories that we were potentially working on too. So uh, kudos to the bills mafia and thank you for the support. All right. Final segment trade candidates. Cody Ford was the first move. Are there other moves, Ryan Talbot? I, you just put out a story. I'll let you talk about that for a minute and then start us off. Trade candidates, where do you want to start? Yeah, first of all, I think there is some moves that could be made. And and in my article, some players are more uh, realistic options than others. But, you know, the, the biggest name in the article, I would probably say would be Zach Moss, Matt. And, and let me first say Zach Moss has had his best offseason as a member of the Bills, in my opinion. He's run the ball well. He looks healthy. That's been so important for him. Um, and, and I think he could be this goal line back for the team. But on the other side of the coin, you have Devin Singletary. Yes, final year of his deal. You just drafted James Cook in round two, and he's shown more than uh, a lot of ability on the ground. He's not just a, a pass catching back. Uh, could you potentially make those two your your top two this year? That allows you to keep maybe your Raheem Blackshear or Duke Johnson on your roster. There's been a lot of Blackshear fans I've noticed on social media these after these past two games, like we've seen with other backs in the, uh, in the preseason, but. Uh, I think Blackshear is someone that they'll at least try to get on the practice squad quickly if uh, he does not make this roster. Zach Moss is someone that I think there's still value in, just like Cody Ford, where a team like the Giants, we just talked about the the Carolina Bills pipeline. There's a legitimate pipeline, I think, that's going to be forming here between Buffalo and New York over the next few years where Brian Dable says, okay, I know him. I'm familiar with him. Joe Shane says the same thing. I drafted him or I brought him in as an undrafted free agent. Or I was there when the Bills did that and we want to bring him in. Zach Moss could realistically be running back number two on that team behind Saquon Barkley. Another former Bill, Antonio Williams, is in the mix for that job. Not saying that he wouldn't be good enough to do that, but he's someone. O.J. Howard, we've talked about. He's not been great. If you want to get out of that contract without all the dead cap, the trade is the only scenario there. Um, That being said, is there going to be a big market for him? Probably not. But then uh, we'll talk about some other guys here. So let me let me start there, Matt. What do you think about OJ Howard and Zach Moss potentially uh, being trade candidates? So the thing for Moss, where I'm a little bit hesitant to put him in this group, is that I think he's the, I think he's the 2023 plan, right? Like I I don't think you're going into you know that season on you know unknowingly what's going to happen with Devin Singletary. Do, can the Bills sign him back? Can they? Um, do they want to sign him back? If he's out of the picture, sure, the Bills can kind of run it back the way they have the last couple of years and just spend draft capital, day two, day three draft capital on a running back, hand the keys over to James Cook and move on. Uh, and But I, I'm also wondering, like, do you want to move Moss for a late day three pick? Because I think that's probably all you're getting for him at this point. And I just don't know how valuable that is. You know, when maybe you could keep Moss, keep him in the mix. I think he has a certain skill set and – I thought Ken Dorsey gave a pretty good endorsement of all three of these guys and the fact that they trust all three of them to do to play well in all phases of the game. And I think that with Moss and Singletary, we've seen their inability to stay healthy. Um, it would come down to some serious love for Raheem Blackshear. And listen, that wouldn't be crazy. Like, I I, I like Blackshear just as much as anybody else. I, I wrote about him after the game uh, over the weekend. If it happened, it would not it would not be crazy in the slightest. But I do think Zach Moss ends up staying. I just don't know if the market would materialize for a juicy enough offer for the Bills to want to move on. And I think that's fair. And I, I did point out in the article, I think that the case of Moss and OJ Howard, more likely they'll be on the roster than not. Uh, so let me pitch the other three players. 
Jay Kumarel. Uh Kumarel would be a late day three pick, most likely like a seventh round, or maybe a, maybe you could get a six for a guy like Kumarel. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers just complaining about the young receivers on Green Bay. Obviously, he loves Kumarel. Maybe that would be a specific pairing. Um, but I have Kumarel in the article. I have Brandon Bryant, just a numbers mm-hmm. game for him. I think he's good enough to play on Sundays, Matt, in Buffalo. It's just that they have four really good defensive tackles in front of him. And uh, if you're worried about potentially losing him, it'd be better to get any kind of pick for him whatsoever. And then the most realistic of the five would be Greg Van Roten. I don't think Van Roten's had the best offseason with the Bills, someone that they signed this offseason. But he brings experience, starting experience, um, value as a depth player. And as we've seen with Cody Ford and a few years ago, Russell Bodine and um, other players that the Bills have moved, there's always a market for offensive linemen specifically because teams are always looking to upgrade their their starting talent, but also more specifically their depth. Great setup here and a lot to kind of chew into. First of all, with Kumaro, I go back and forth. I, I do think that there's value. You bring up the Green Bay factor, but you know the Bills cut him last year. He went to New Orleans. He never saw the field. Right. I mean, I don't think he was ever active on game day. So, and that was for a team that just wasn't that good. They had a lot of bank, they got a lot of injuries at the receiver position. And so I don't know if there's a situation that he can go into where a team is giving up a valuable asset, you know, more than like a seventh round pick. And again, how many of those do you want to kind of accumulate? Maybe Brandon uh, Bean wants three or four more. Who knows? Although you're going to end up cutting those guys next year around this time because he can't roster all these draft picks. So for me, Kumaro doesn't really fit the mix. I think Van Roten is interesting because he started games in this league. He can play multiple positions. If you can add another fifth up from Van Roten and you're going to cut him, uh, sign me up. Because I don't. I, right now, he's he's on the outside looking in, unless you're going to keep 10 offensive linemen. Right now, if you keep 10, 9, which I think is where I'm going to land on my 53-man roster, you got your starting five, Spencer Brown, R- Ryan Bates, Mitch Morse, Roger Saffold, and Deion Dawkins. Then you have backups, David Questenberry and Greg Mance right off the top, Tommy Doyle. And I think Bobby Hart is making this team over Greg Van Roten. Now, maybe they like Van Roten's versatility to play all three interior positions. He could play center, but I think you have Greg Mance and in an emergency, you could put Ryan Bates back there. So Van, Ro- Van Roten's an interesting one. Again, that'll be an interesting conversation. What was the third one? Brandon Bryant. So Brandon Bryant's really interesting one. I'm also kind of toying with yeah. Okay, there's a there's a bunch of different like things f- flying through my brain when it comes to what that 52nd and 53rd person is going to be on this roster. Cam Lewis, Brandon Bryant, Bale Inspector, Andre Smith. If it came down to those three guys, right for the 53rd spot, I'm not saying it's going to, but let's just say in a hypothetical it does. What's the what? Let's power rank them. I'm going to power rank. Cam Lewis, Brandon Bryant, Bale Inspector, Andre Smith, whoever you want to put there. I think the Bills are going to cut Smith because he's out for six weeks and they could kind of figure that out after the fact. But what, what, what would you do with that power ranking? Well, Cam Lewis, first and foremost, is number one. Um, you know, Andre Smith, because of the suspension, I'm thinking that you could actually get him on. I don't know if you have to make a move to put him right on the suspension. Yeah, we got to find if, that out. We got to find uh, that he, out. He, that's something if, that we've been talking about. Right. And even if not, you could do the handshake deal and then you have him on your roster for the first six weeks and uh, you have a chance to figure that out. And because he's such a core special teams player, I'd probably play him at number two in that scenario just because I think that you can get him over there without the risk of losing anyone. Um, like I said, the veteran handshake deals where we're bringing you back tomorrow and and you get a little bit of a boost because of it. It's worked out the last few years. So I'd put him two, Brendan Bryant three, and then Spectre four. I know uh, Spectre has a big following, but again, day three pick. It's a linebacker position. The Bills generally play uh, with two base linebackers on the field. That's not to say that uh, they wouldn't try to get him on the practice squad. They absolutely would. Um, but we've seen them lose some late day three picks already. We've seen them lose some undirected free agents that they would probably have liked to have kept uh, on the practice squad in the past. And this is just what happens when you have a Super Bowl caliber roster, Matt. No, I, I just think it's a it's a fun conversation uh, to have uh, about how things kind of all set up here. And there's going to be those decisions are going to be happening or those conversations are going to be happening at one bill's drive as they kind of get towards this cut down day. And, you know, it was, it was a fun week of practice. Uh, You know, there was some intensity out there today. 
uh, Josh Allen and, the, and that first team making some plays. But it really, I, I do think there might be a job won or lost on, on Friday when the Bills play in Carolina. Yeah, I agree. I think that 52nd and 53rd spot is up for grabs. Obviously, linebacker, defensive tackle, cornerback, they're all going to be weighted differently. Cornerback, I think, at the top of that list. But if one of those players from that list that we just mentioned or someone that uh, we didn't discuss that is on the, the firmly on the bubble has a great game, they might play their way onto this 53-man roster, Matt. You guys did a great job tonight. Hats off to all of you for coming in here and making this Super fun. Uh, Shout Buffalo Football Podcast is brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store. Uh, from your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football to backyard barbecues, and every meal in between, Tops is proud to have been at your table for the last 60 years and looks forward to 60 more. Tops, at your table since 1962. We will be back on Friday night. I will be dropping my official 53-man roster projection right after the game. It's going to be fresh, hot off the presses. And then we're going to go live, talk all about it and the big performances in Carolina. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. See you guys on Friday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.